it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a good one in store today. It's a, a great Friday edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, uh, Julian David Stone will be back. He was on the show uh, last year, I think, uh, talking about his collection of uh, photographs that uh, he had published from his days as an outlaw rock and roll photographer, his book called No Cameras Allowed, we talked about. But he has a new book. It takes an inside look at the uh, filming and production of the uh, horror classic from 1931, Frankenstein. The book is called uh, It's Alive, taking one of the great quotes from that uh, from that movie. And then uh, during the the middle, the second hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with uh, Ellen Bravo and Larry Miller, um, activists and um, long-standing activists, actually. And they have a new book called Standing Up, and we're going to talk about that and more with Ellen and Larry coming up in a little while. But we start out um, in the uh, first hour uh, talking about zip codes, well, in a way. Uh, a new book by um, international organizational development consultant uh, Christopher Gross is called What's Your Zip Code? No, What's Your Zip Code Story? Forgive me. Understanding and Overcoming Class Bias in the Workplace. And we're going to talk to CJ about that. He joins me by phone. Good morning, CJ. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having me on the show. It's awesome. I'm, I'm loving uh, what your program is about. I'm very excited to talk about this topic. I think it lines up with uh, what you've been doing on your program for many years, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate those thoughts, uh, CJ. Um, and, and I want to, uh, this book is, is interesting to me because, um, of course, people have been talking about race. Uh, for the last, well, for the last two hundred <laughs> years, but, but, but right. in, in a real big and serious way over the last decade, it's like mm-hmm. you know, can't we finally have this conversation? And I have wondered, as some of these conversations were taking place, why we weren't talking about class bias. Not just mm-hmm. not just racial uh, differences and disparities, but um, you know, I keep hearing uh, oh, 
candidates for political office pretty soon. It'll be presidential candidates again talking mm -hmm. about how the economy is doing better. And mm -hmm. I, I can't help thinking, CJ, not in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Not use the code, right? <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Great way to bring it back. How did you get started thinking about this issue of overcoming class bias in a zip code by zip code kind of way? <laughs> well, Tom, that's a loaded question. I'll, I'll do my best. To, I've been practicing how to answer that question. <laughs> so, so I'm going to do my best here. So um, my background, I'll start with my background. So I, I grew up in Prince George's County, um, one of the, the wealthiest counties, African-American counties in, in the nation. But I, I was not, I didn't grow up wealthy, right? So that kind of starts the story, right? I went to school for, in, um, for mechanical design, and I was a mechanical designer for about eight years, worked with General Electric. And so that part of the story will be important later when I talk about how I approach this work. So with that being said, I've, I've been doing leadership development for the last 20 years, and the last um, five been focusing specifically on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So in this work of diversity, equity, and inclusion, there was a um, conversation I had with uh, one of my colleagues who has passed away now, and we were talking about, um, you know, just uh, bias and discrimination, and he was an African-American gentleman, but he grew up in a different neighborhood. Uh, much more um, affluent neighborhood, not specifically African-American, but very affluent neighborhood. We're talking about some of the things we weren't able to do. So as I was talking about the things I was not able to do, I noticed his was totally different. Like he talked about not being um, being excluded from the country club. And I was like, I wasn't even thinking about going to the country club. Now, my story is that this gentleman was older, so he's probably experienced more racism. This gentleman has a different sexual orientation. So, you know, he's a part of the LGBTQ community. So I'm thinking, my story, he's probably had more challenges. But the more we talked about it, the more I realized that our stories were not the same. And it was only stricken by, by our, our zip code or my zip code. And that was the first clue. The second clue was me, um, you know, delivering a presentation for the consulting firm that I worked for around this class bias concept, and people's minds were blown out. So this company had been in existence for 20, uh, 30 years doing diversity work, which is phenomenal, still in existence, phenomenal company. And people were scratching their head like, hmm, we never thought about this. This is another lens. And so I thought I had something there. And then it wasn't until I went to SHRM, Society for Human Resource Management, in 2019 to speak at their inclusion conference I was only 18 months into the work of diversity. Right? Um, I really didn't know fully what I was talking about, but I thought I had something. So they, they accepted my proposal. They put me on the very last day. If you ever been to a conference, you, you want to leave on the last day and the very last hour of the conference. I was like, no one's going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> to my surprise, Tom, the, the room was almost full. Well, and good, good for you, and 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 good for the subject material because I've I've been in those rooms on the last day, last hour, <laughs> and, and and you could shoot a cannon through there and nobody'd hear it. <laughs> yes, and I, I was I was I just totally thought no one was going to be there, so people were there. Um, I changed my presentation the night of because it was just people kept walking up to me talking about it. I had what's called um, imposter syndrome, which is in the book, but it was just I didn't think I should be there because I was so new to the industry. 
Um, anyway, so we, I delivered the presentation. Um, I, I basically just shared stories, and I created a space where other people shared stories. People were literally weeping. People did not want to leave. The AV person had to pull the plug on the microphone and cut the lights out for people to leave. Um, that's when I knew that this was – and the people were, were in the audience were of all nationalities, all genders, all socioeconomic backgrounds, all, you know, um, religions, sexual orientation, you know, you name it, industries, you know, they were all there and they were all desperate to share this this, this zip code story and the challenges that they've had, no matter they, if they've had a little bit more of, a, of an advantage. For them, it was still some level of disadvantage because everyone sees it from their own perspective, which means they have a zip code story. So that's really how this came about. Um, and then the I submitted a TED Talk, and it, it just kept going. So, so obviously people are interested in having this conversation. Um, this conversation does not exclude race. It includes race, but what it does is it expands the conversation around diversity and inclusion and allows it not to be um, as polarizing as at times it can be. And it, it just brings more voices to the table to solve problems. You know, it's it's interesting. I remember uh, working in nonprofit organizations, and I, I worked in public relations and fundraising and in different aspects of uh, nonprofit uh, organizations, and and got to know mailing lists really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and you know, to the point where I could. I, I, I knew the zip codes from our mm-hmm. region, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I could tell you which zip codes would produce revenue and which ones wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And and so it's it's interesting to see somebody else thinking in those terms. And I, <laughs> I remember when I, I lived briefly in Los Angeles, and people mm-hmm. used to fight over whether or not they could get mm-hmm. a 310 area code. Over mm-hmm. over eight one eight, because three one zero meant Beverly Hills, and it's the same yep. sort of thing with zip codes. Um, yeah, it, it's it's so, it's interesting how you mentioned you lived in an affluent zip code, but weren't necessarily affluent. But if you led with that zip code, oh, I you know. Mm-hmm. I live mm-hmm. in nine zero eight one zero or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people would attach to that the reputation mm-hmm. of that neighborhood. Yeah. So, Tom, that's what this book is about, right? It's 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 about that zip code, but it's it's beyond that as well. So, it's um, the zip code story is really it's about where you grew up, but it's also about how you grew up. It's about the sights and sounds outside of your door. It's about the conversations around the dinner table. It's about the um, experiences that you've had individually. You could live in, a, in the same house as someone and be born from the same parents and have a totally different <clears throat> perspective on life, have a different trajectory in school, make different friends. Therefore, you have a different zip code story. And that's where the story part comes into play. But getting back to just the zip code to, to, to solidify your point, um, I told my friends, and I've told people many times, if I just change one digit in my zip code, literally where I grew up, I I I, I might have not been here talking to you. Just one uh, <laughs> digit 
because of my friends or uh, people who went to school with me were, who were from a different zip code, they experienced different things. That's really like, what, 10 minutes away from me. But there were more, there was more crime there. There were, there were less, um, you know, a lot of single parent households. But I mean, I grew up in a single parent household, but I also grew up in a neighborhood where most of the households had two, uh, two it was two parent households. That made all the, all the world of a difference to me because I then was able to kind of broker those relationships that to, to fill in. So not only did I, I had my own dad that didn't live there, but then I had like four or five other dads. So the zip code story really is that um, lived experience. And then the book talks about um, how our brains classify. This is where the class part comes in, Tom. Um, our brains classify people, places, and things based on our zip code story. That's interesting. And, you know, I um, when you mentioned the uh, uh, country club membership, mm-hmm. that, that triggered a couple of stories for me. One, of course, is, is the, the famous Groucho Marx quote talking about uh, anti-Semitism. You probably know the one. I wouldn't join a club that would have me as a member. <laughs> <laughs> Making fun of his own Jewish heritage and, you know, mm-hmm. the the um, fact that Jews weren't allowed to join uh, certain clubs. And, um, and the... Uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. There was another another thing that 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 triggered when you were talking about the country clubs. Oh, it was uh, Jimmy Walker talking about uh, growing up in um, in Harlem, and you know I asked him if um, it's something about growing up poor, you know, and if he mm-hmm. knew he was going to make it, and he said I didn't know I was poor. <laughs> He said it wasn't. He said it wasn't like we spent the weekends in the Hamptons, right? <laughs> you know, he said that everybody was in the same boat. You know, everybody was just like me, and you know, I didn't. It wasn't. I didn't feel poor, and I, and I want to talk about some of those differentiations and some of the things that you point out in the book. Uh, the book is called "What's Your Zip Code Story: Understanding and Overcoming Class Bias in the Workplace." The author is Christopher C.J. Gross, and uh, C.J. I have to take a short break here, but I uh, can you stick yeah. around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Sure. Great. Absolutely. Um, if you're listening to us on uh, WFOVLP, our voice is Radio 92.1 FM in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Hearing. And we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And... Um, so don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We got. We're gonna talk lots more about uh, your zip code story and everybody else's, um, as uh, as is uh, discussed in the book. What's your zip code story? Understanding and overcoming class bias in the workplace, by Christopher Gross. Anyway, we'll be back uh, in uh, just a couple of minutes. So lots more Tom Sumner programs straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Bye from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation uh, about overcoming class bias with the author of a new book called What's Your Zip Code Story? Understanding and Overcoming Class Bias in the Workplace from uh, organizational development consultant and founder of Ascension Worldwide, Christopher C.J. Gross. C.J., welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no worries, Tom. No worries. It was interesting to hear the different and see the different uh, sponsors you have. Awesome program. Well, thank you. Um, In the last segment, uh, you were talking a little bit about uh, early on in doing this kind of work. You were uh, (laughs) at at a conference and and had uh, uh, a bad spot, the last... uh, the last spot of the of the conference and you expected it to be kind of empty and you are already feeling a little bit inadequate in terms of telling what you mm-hmm. perceive to be experts in the field about their field mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and the place ended up kind of full and you said that there were a lot of people not only that didn't want to leave when when your presentation was wrapping up but that were brought to tears. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. what brought them to tears? What was what was the element that you had noticed or discovered and shared that got them? So that's a that's a great question, Tom. So I, um, one, I think people <clears throat> of all backgrounds want to be heard and they want to be seen. And the zip code story concept allows people a safe space to share their own background, specific to the unique to them. So when we think about diversity work, right, there's a lot of identities that we talk about, including we we use race, we use gender, we use sexual orientation, all these things which are in some ways labels that the brain uses to classify us, right? And, you know, that can be useful in times, but people are individuals and people people really want want to share their own background, their own experiences, because at the end of the day, from an organizational perspective, the true um, jewels and the, the um, genius of an organization is in the talent of the organization, which is in the zip code story. Their unique background and experiences is what's going to allow companies to increase market share, increase um innovation for new products and services and even if you're in the political arena it doesn't matter the zip code story is always present and it's always how you genuinely um leverage the playing field in in anything you're doing right and so so i think that's why people came to tears because they just wanted a place to share they wanted a place that they could be uplifted and supported so whether it's in a community whether it's in a corporate america um, or, or, or whether it's in politics, you know, people want to be known as individuals. And it's when we, when we have our separatist mindsets um, and when the brain, again, I talk a little bit about this in the book, uh, Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, he talks about we have two systems in the brain. The first system is system one. He calls the fast brain, which is all our knee-jerk reactions, our amygdala responses, our biases about people based on our past experiences. So we, we need to manage that so that we can have um, cultures within the workplace, within society, within, you know, making policies, you know, across our country and around the world 
Um, and we can do that by understanding our own zip code story, mitigating our biases, uh, and expanding um, our own experiences. You talked about, uh, you, you said something, CJ, that, that uh, has been kind of echoing in my mind um, about how your life would be very different had you grown mm -hmm. up in a neighborhood that had one different digit in the zip code. Mm -hmm. And that makes me wonder what pays the plays the the bigger role in our life, in our contemporary life as as uh, you know professionals or workers or family members, uh, neighbors, etc. Um, the zip code where we grew up or the zip code we're in. So that's a really great question again, Tom, because um, so when we look at the I'm trying to story, give you stuff to work with here, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Tom. So, so great question. And it's, it's an important question because when we think about the zip code, just the zip code without the story, it's about where you grew up. So the story is about how you grew up. So this is almost nature versus nurture, right? It's a, it's a, it's an age old conversation and, and, you know, chicken and egg type of conversation, right? But I will add to this, um, if you grow up in, you know, you can grow up anywhere. And if you have the right support system, you can be successful. And this is where we hear those rat to riches stories, right? From people moving from different zip codes, emotionally, mentally, um, physically, and psychologically, and, and becoming successful. So what I, what I, I think what happens is the zip code that's most important is the story right? The story is what's most important. So it didn't matter if you grew up in the, the nicest neighborhood or, you know, maybe some of the cha most challenging neighborhoods in, the, in America or around the world. Um, if you are willing to, you know, expand your zip code, and in the book, I talk about mentorship. In the book, I talk about expanding your experiences. And I, and I me personally, for example, I didn't learn how to um, swim fully until I was in my, like, late 30s, early 40s. And just that one thing um, changed my experience, my exposure, my connections to other people. I eventually started swimming laps and scuba diving and, you know, looking to uh, potentially do some racing. Uh, potentially, I'm not sure yet. So, like, looking at Ironman. But the point is, is that, that I had to take the initiative to change that zip code story by doing something that made me feel uncomfortable. When I did something that made me feel uncomfortable, to your point, that allows me to have a different experience, and it changes my zip code um, story. And physically, I moved out of that area because there were limitations of being around people who look like me all the time, of being around, you know, just those conversations. I, I had to move to more diverse um, communities, more um, communities that were more inclusive to different backgrounds and experiences, and it was very uncomfortable. Right. And so this is one of the things that we're challenged with to to potentially have to um, to travel out of our own zip code to gain exposures and experiences and look at people's perspective that is not the same as ours is really uncomfortable. And our brain, because, again, going back into that fight, flight or freeze, the, the reptilian part of the brain does not want to do it because it's designed to keep us safe. But what happens is when we stay on our different sides of the aisle, 
we look at each other as if we're not connected. And once we do that, we have conflict, and we see it in our school systems now, and it's polarizing because of the, the conflict, even around topics around diversity, equity, and inclusion. We see it in our, in our, um, our politics. We see it in our communities. We see it in the workplace. And in the workplace, there's a direct correlation to um, how a company develops and grows, how long they keep uh, employees, uh, how, how innovation works, how they, um, how they increase market share, all those things are, are really relevant in the, in, the work, in, the, um, in the business world. And that's, why, that's where my focus is because you know, I'm a consultant as well. But you can see it very clearly there. But when it comes to politics and community and all those things, it's insidious because we're talking around a lot of the real problems. We're actually talking about the symptoms opposed to the problems. So I think this book really gets to the f- focus of the um, the problem. That, that's something I want to get to as well. But in in the process of looking at this uh, this concept of zip code story, it, you talked about people leaving the zip code, you know, and and changing their zip code story by physically moving away. And it's it's not unusual for people to want to leave their zip code. Um, you know, when they get out of high school or out of college and and go looking for something better or at least different. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, that's that's not unusual. And and yet there are still some people who never travel more than a mile from where they grew up. And and I'm just wondering, is there a significant difference between the people who just stay where they were born and raised and marry and raise a family and work and, you know, have a a reasonable amount of success, but never move beyond that, and and people that go out looking for different and better? Yeah, so so Tom, again, great question. I want to make sure I'm I'm loud and clear on this one because I I don't want people to feel like they have to pack up and leave where they live <laughs> right that's the first thing i don't want C- people to like cj says up. we gotta go we want to grow right load so, the, load the car mean, kids cj says right. we gotta go yeah cj says we gotta go we gotta go so so that's not that's not what i'm um, suggesting now that can happen my suggestion is one Look at your environment that you grew up. Let's say you live in the same neighborhood, right? So I, I live in a place called Shrewsbury, Pennsylvania. I didn't grow up there, but I, I live here. There's a lot of people here that, you know, stayed here. It's a very rural part of Pennsylvania. Um, now, the question is, is your community diverse, right? And diversity in, in many things. I, again, we're, we're not just talking about race. When people hear diversity, things just race. But, yeah, is it diverse in race, but is it diverse in politics? Is it diverse in... You know, um, uh, you know the all of the different aspects of diversity, right? Personality, different people who do different things and work. You know, because some communities are more of like um, some of the small towns across the countries have been more of a um, working class um, manufacturer um, company, and you have many generations who will stay in that that community. And there's nothing wrong with that. The only challenge. Well, one of the challenges that come up is when you have someone who is different that comes into that community and no one has exposure to difference. <laughs> so that's where the problem, because the brain says same means safe. So we say, if you're like me, no matter what it is, you got, you know, 
2.5 kids in a house with a you know white picket fence, then you're like me. You play golf, I play golf. You have a certain level of education, I have a certain level of education. The brain says same means safe. You look like me, we go to the same uh, religious institutions. So what you want to do is take inventory of your zip code story. And the book talks about that and looks at what your background is and how diverse your, your friend circle is, your, 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 your work community. And then, again, you don't have to leave um, permanently, but what I suggest in the book is to, to travel. And you don't necessarily have to travel and spend a lot of money, but, you know, take a road trip. Uh, if, you can, if you have the resources, go outside of the country Go to, a, go to a country that does not speak English or, you know, whatever your first language is and see how challenging that is. Because for me, Tom, I, I am learning Spanish, right? I know about 12 words of Spanish. And when I went to Chile, um, I was there and I, I was trying to order some food. It was late at night <laughs> and I was in a place where I didn't speak a lot of Spanish. And I'm going to tell you, I walked away. I, I ate food that night, but I didn't get what I wanted. And when I came back stateside, I had a different empathy for people who English was not their first um, language. Now, before that, I was very, um, I was very challenged when I'm trying to get something across to them. And like, you don't understand what I'm saying. Like, come on, hurry up. But then I realized, you know, 12 people behind me, and I'm just trying to order some, chi- you know, some chicken and some some rice or some vegetables, whatever it is I'm I'm, I'm ordering. And I'm taking forever, and people had to be patient with me. Some people were not. But that then translates into empathy for people who are different than me. And that's the power of changing the zip code story is to see from a different perspective. All of my, um, I shouldn't say all of my neighbors, but a lot of the people who I associate with nowadays come from different backgrounds, different countries. They speak different languages. They have different um, political affiliations. And some of those, we're the closest because we can talk about those things. They are of different race. They have a different sexual orientation. We've been able to have uncomfortable conversations because sometimes that's what happens when you have difference. And it's been amazing. My eyes have been open and my zip code story has been expanded. And and it's what has allowed me to write this book and and really, you know, be on the show with you. You know, I'm curious about what happened in recent years, because looking back and, and I'm, I'm, kind of an old guy and um i don't like to say old i like to say seasoned because i'm becoming more you know seasoned myself (laughs) oh i'm 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 beyond seasoned (laughs) i'm 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 growing mold um but but in all seriousness i remember you know i was born in the 50s and i remember a time in the 60s largely because i lived in a manufacturing area born and raised Mm -hmm. in flint michigan and mm. people came from all over the country and and really all over the world for these high paying factory jobs that were mm-hmm. commonplace mm-hmm. in in Flint and Detroit mm-hmm. um, in those days. So there were these international food festivals on weekends where people shared these different foods from different places and there there was this acceptance of these different cultures in a way that we don't see today. And I was thinking the same thing in the Southwest where they're having lots of issues about immigration and and border issues and traveling Mm -hmm. through the Southwest with my family, uh, you know, on the quintessential family vacation, everybody loaded up Mm -hmm. in the car and drive across country. And as we were going through there, I remember seeing little shops made up of... um, 
indigenous people and and um, Hispanic people and and this blending and and of course Europeans there was this blending of cultures in that area mm-hmm. that was uh, represented in commerce in architecture and all that and it all seemed fine now there's there's just this this deep-seated hatred for people who are different and I, I i where did that come from how did that start how did we flip the script well i think do you have depends. any idea from the research you're doing i'm not trying to put you on the spot cj it's a big question but um, but did you come across anything that might be illuminating about how we got off the path that you're recommending we get back on? Maybe that's a better way to ask it. Sure. I think some challenges have always been there. Um, I think it's, you know, some of the racial challenges, the gender challenges, sexual orientation, other no, challenges have always been there. But now there's social media um and through other means of media things are people people who have never had a voice now have voices um so that's one thing and then when you when you bring people together who have not spent time together historically in the same way and fashion you're going to have conflict so in the organizational development you know you have the the forming storming norming then performing concept so what we want to do is we want to we want to form and get and go past storming and get to performing. But when you bring people who have different backgrounds um, together, there are going to be some conflict. And when the power, when the power is shared, you start to see people speak up more because they have more power. And that power, and this is the class part, right? That power might be education. That power might be money. That power may be influence. It may be many things. So I think. What what's happening is, you know, through all the stuff that's happened through COVID, through the racial reckoning, all the things that are happening, um, and then technology thrown on top of that, you start to see things that have kind of been under the surface and they are peeking their head up now. But then you'll have these other places where people don't have these same experiences. They still have conflict, but they talk it out, they work it out, they're you know, just like you said, you were you were, you know, driving through the different places, um, through the United States and people were working together, those people have probably already experienced these, you know, these reckonings and have had some conversations so that they can work together. I think the other part of it is um, we always have to answer the what's in it for me question. And when we are only trying to solve problems for one group of people, now this is where the conversation gets dicey. So we won't stay in it for too long because it's only you know, we only have a short period of time. But when we're only solving um, problems for one group of people, no matter what the identity is, another group may see that as being exclusive, and then that's when conflict. And then when we don't have tools, well, we to, saw to, that we saw that play out in the wake of. Uh, the, the evolution of Black Lives Matter movements around the country, and right away there were people saying all lives matter and carrying signs, right. and you know right. it's that same thing that you're you're just talking about. Something I want to try and get to very very quickly is you talk about overcoming class bias, and you recommended one thing which I thought was uh, 
worthy of um, underscoring, and that was travel. Get out and go to some places mm-hmm. where everybody isn't mm-hmm. like you, and that may change your mm-hmm. perspective a little bit. But what are some mm-hmm. other things that we can do to overcome class bias and, and dare I say, racial disparity? Sure, Tom. Great question. So I would say there's there's several things in the book I mentioned. I'll just highlight a few of them. Um, one of them is just basically spending time with people who are different than you, right? So you can do this in the workplace. You can do it in your community. Um, and and that then when you have a shared experience together, that brings you closer and it gives you an opportunity to talk about differences. Um, so that would be one thing that doesn't cost any money. Um, and it's usually someone in your workplace or maybe in your community or maybe in your community in your family who's different than you. And maybe, let's be honest, makes you feel a little uncomfortable. You know, so really checking in to see what makes you feel uncomfortable. And it could be coffee or tea chats. That's what we do in the workplace. I, I encourage people to, to say, find someone you either makes you feel uncomfortable or you just don't have, you don't feel like you have anything in common with. Invite them into a 10, 15-minute chat. And just to find out what, how did they get to where they are now? Right, it's really their zip code story, right? Not to pry into their personal life, but you know, how did this person become, you know, in my case, an engineer or a consultant or a radio host or whatever it is? What led them to that place? So that's one thing. Reading biographies of different people, I love reading biographies of people who are different than me, who have a different experience than me. Um, it it can be really eye opening. And then another thing I encourage people to do in the book, um, I mentioned, you know, different experiences. Now, for me, I've, I had, I think my friends thought I was having a um, midlife crisis because I started doing all these things, like, around the age of four. <laughs> so I started scuba diving. I started motocross. I started speaking. I started learning Spanish. You know, all these things um, blew the top off my zip code story. The more I traveled, again, that there take, it takes money to travel, but the more I exposed myself to people who were different than me in all ways. I mean, even people who were extreme, probably they did, maybe didn't believe in the, the core things that I believe. I was able to be quiet and listen to their perspective. That was so important because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big into personal development, organizational development, and Stephen Covey, uh, his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he says, Let's seek first to understand, then to be understood. It's one of the hardest things to do. It is. So if, you, if you sit there and be quiet to someone who has a, a total diff, totally different perspective than you do on a, on, a, on a core issue, if you can do that, you can change your zip code story because it, your, your mingle is exploding at that point and saying, this is dangerous, this person is saying something that's conflicting with your values. But if you sit there and you're patient enough and you're quiet enough, two things happen. One... You get to hear that person's perspective. You get to hear that person's zip code story, and it expands your zip code story, and it allows them to trust you. CJ, I've got another break coming up here in about 30 seconds, and I was planning to wrap things up about now, but can you stick around for a few minutes so we can uh, talk for just a few more minutes and wrap it up properly? Sure. Sure. Great. My guest is uh, CJ Gross, Christopher Gross, the author of... What's your zip code story, understanding, and overcoming class bias in the workplace? And we'll be back with uh, 
More with CJ and more of the Tom Sumner program after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flynn Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMagno. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. 
Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We're uh, just going to wrap up here in this next few minutes with our uh, guest this hour, the author of What's Your Zip Code Story? Understanding and Overcoming Class Bias in the Workplace by Christopher C.J. Gross. C.J., welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Absolutely, Tom. I love some of those commercials. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um yeah, I just I hate to think, you know, that that people do like I do when I'm binge-watching television that oh no, here comes another commercial. It's it's fun if they're a little bit entertaining. But but let's let's talk about the uh the book here and and kind of wrap this up because I want to give you a chance to talk about what's next for you and where people can find out more. Um but let me let me ask this one last question. Mm-hmm. You know, for the last several years, I've been keenly aware of uh, people talking about um, we need to have the conversation. Of course, they're talking about race relations in the U.S. And mm-hmm. a, a lot of entities have tried to host and and facilitate conversations, public radio and television and um, Mm -hmm. some of the other uh, media outlets. And they always end up sort of being gripe sessions. And in companies Mm -hmm. like the clients that you have for Ascension, when you come Mm -hmm. in and talk about um, issues of uh, diversity and inclusion, um, a few steps get taken, and then the same old problems just sort of remain. Um, if if you know what I mean by that, somebody, you know, a comp- company, uh, um, Acme, <laughs> will, um, you know, they'll they'll put a person of color or uh, a woman on their board, and they'll uh, mm-hmm. uh, make some changes in middle management, and and then the same old problems. Mm-hmm. sort of return or or stay entrenched mm-hmm. people can't mm-hmm. climb the ladder and mm-hmm. is it different when you start talking about zip codes are people less sensitive about making significant changes if the the stories are based on zip codes and not race or gender or ethnicity so Tom absolutely you you hit the nail right on the head. So that that that's exactly what happens. They want to start talking about race. They don't they don't have the skill sets or the framework um, or the leaders to have those conversations or the and answers. Yes, well, yeah, the answers. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get to that piece um, when I answer the question. But I think and they they then fall flat later because they they've done the check the box. They have a person who seems to be diverse, and when I say diverse, I mean, you know, part of a marginalized community and a a position of power, but then it fails, like they leave or they don't, you know, things don't move forward or they have the same problems, right? We've seen this time and time and time again. So here's where my engineering background comes in to answer your question. We are really focusing on the um, symptom of the problem opposed to the the actual uh, problem. 
So if we just put a person color of color or a person or woman uh, or whatever the identity is in a position of power that does not solve the problem. So if we reverse engineer, and this is what we do, you know, our, our organization, we focus on, we focus on this. We reverse, the, reverse engineer the problem and find out, because the, the system will only produce what the system is designed to produce, right? So we have to look at what's, what's going into the system. And so a lot of times we have to focus on systems that need to be changed, not just people, but systems. And then we need to focus on culture shift, right? So I focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, but underneath the surface, what we do is we do organizational development and leadership. Um, I tell people that change does not come overnight. When, when, a, when a steam liner in the ocean turns, it takes about two miles for that to make that, that shift to make a full turn. So people are not going to just shift. Even though it's the right thing to do, people are just not going to shift on a dime. Culture doesn't change just because you put a person in leadership. We had a, a militarized organization put a woman in leadership because they were having like a two, like they had $200 million worth of uh, um, uh, lawsuits. And then they put a, a woman who was a part of the same thinking, the same you know militarized kind of approach, and nothing changed. And so we have to change the culture, and it doesn't. It's not going to happen overnight. We look at stepping stepping out the the phases. Anywhere from eighteen months and and beyond is what it takes to really start to create culture shift. If you're talking about an organization that's been in existence for the last thirty, forty, fifty years, so that is part of what we have to do. And then, in terms of having the conversations. I don't start with talking about race, right? So you're absolutely right. The zip code is allowed. Allow, the zip code story allows people to ease into the conversation of difference because everyone can identify with the zip code story. Everyone has an a zip code story, no matter how wealthy you grew up or how you know um, challenging your upbringing was. You have a zip code story that brings us together. So once we go up the, once we move up the conversation to the differences and experiences that bring us together. Then we can talk about the different segues that our life, our experiences have, have, have brought us to. Then we can say, oh, well, we've had this. I've been excluded from jobs. You've been excluded from jobs. You might say, well, gee, CJ, maybe race played a factor because of what your background. So people are more willing to have the conversation around race, and they, they want to solve problems. But if you just start talking about race and putting it in people's face and not <laughs> talking about solutions, you're going to have what we see now, which is polarizing conversations that are leading to, you know, really, in some cases, the loss of life, um, you know, loss see, of jobs, income, all those things. CJ, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we have to end it here. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they might find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? Sure. So they can they can find me on two websites, Ascension Worldwide. That is A S C E N S I O N Worldwide dot com, and also cjgrosstalks dot com. Well, CJ, thanks so much. It's been a real pleasure. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom. All right. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. <music> Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Oh, the day they met Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila no one will forget Harvey's a CPA he works for IBM he went to MIT and got his PhD Sheila's a girl I know at BBDNO she works the PBX and makes out the checks then came one great day when Harvey took the elevator Sheila got into floors later soon they both felt they were falling everyone heard Sheila calling ring the bell but they fell Harvey and Sheila fell in love Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila chose a wedding ring Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila married in the spring she shopped at A&P he bought a used MG they sat and watched TV on their RCA borrowed from HFC bought some AT&T and on election day worked for JFK then they went and got a charger plate from R.H. Macy bought a lay at Pink and Lacey then they had twin baby girls both with dimples both with curls one named B one named K Soon they joined the PTA <laughs> Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila moved to West LA Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila Harvey and Sheila flew TWA they bought a house one day, financed by FHA. It had a swimming pool full of H2O. Traded their used MG for a new XKE. Switched to the GOP. That's the way things go. Oh, that Harvey, he was really smart. He used his noodle. Sheila bought a white French poodle. Went to Europe with a visa. Harvey's rich. They say that he's a VIP. This could be only in the USA. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
you pilots get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>